podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Beautiful. Semi-isolation. Um, isolation. Semi-isolation. Semi-isolation. Future isolation. Future isolation, I think, should be there. Hello, anyway, Sammy. We'll come to that. Brilliant. Good start. Um, it's pod 350, and this will, we'll be reviewing Palace's 3-1 win at Man United, where Wolf scored twice. And Andros got the other. And this week to discuss that with me, I have Andrew Street. Hello to you. Hello, James Daly. Very formal. Don't know why I've gone formal, but um, I like it. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm all right. Good. Uh, <laughs> James Endicott, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. N- nice to see you. You too. Very yeah. nice to see you. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good, actually. It's a, it's a Tuesday evening as we speak. Uh, yep. It's very dark outside, but yet my evening has been brightened up by uh, the sight of you four. Beautiful. Three, see, three see, sorry. See, Andy, if you could be as, four, as you know, as, as poetic as that, that'd be uh, that'd be lovely. Um, and of course, Kevin Day is here. Kevin, how are you? Yes, uh, I'm all right. This the, the f- picture of me on Zoom is making me look heavier than I actually am, which is annoying me. <laughs> the camera always adds ten pounds. Yes, it seems to have added a lot more than that at the moment. So. <laughs> I don't know how many cameras you got on you. But that's I'm fine. Ch- <laughs> oh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I feel, I'm sorry. I've got the spirit of Andy Street in me today. Um, Kevin, before we go on, how was you were sent a copy of Golazzo, this new tabletop? game thing how was it yes it was uh it was great it was uh it looked lovely it, it played nicely <laughs> um uh ironically <coughs> excuse me i'm not a brilliant uh yes uh, it, uh i beat southampton 1-0 against uh, a picture of a cat very good uh, i saw that very good yeah because uh, ed, ed and molly who were supposed to be playing with me decided that they uh had bigger things to do uh, than play a table football game of an old man uh, How dare they! But no, it looks great though. It's a it's a really good a really good board game. Good because we we got sent a copy of that, so um, we'll promote that on our shows and stuff. And I think I believe there's a Kickstarter people can can support, so we will get that out there. Um, can we do a shout out to a random patron? So I'm going to need a drum roll, please. <laughs> it's Mister. <clears throat> He did promise, actually, the drum fills last week, didn't he? And so, he has I told you you get a drum fill, yeah. It yeah. wasn't worth the wait. But anyway, uh, this week, it's Mr. Steve Jordan. Hey, Steve. Oh, almost. 
I thank you, Steve, for <laughs> your support. That <laughs> no, would have been weird, wouldn't it? No relation. I'm going to assume no relation. Um, and you can join our Patreon and get all the rewards that entails, like the post-match podcast, patron-only merch, and access to the patron-only WhatsApp club at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Right, this week... I saw I saw Simon Jordan last week at Talk Sport, and uh, either I've put on a lot of weight in lockdown, or he was very rude because he just walked past me. How dare, how dare he? Yeah. <clears throat> How dare he? Um, I think both of those could simultaneously be true. That's true. I didn't say that. I didn't say one of them ruled out the other. But... <laughs> <laughs> he was kissing the picture of Dougie Friedman as well. I don't know why that was going on. <laughs> Some things never change. Um, so this week we're supported by the Athletic, and in part two we're going to read an article from them, um, just like we did all of last season. But first of all, Palace went to Old Trafford at the weekend and won again. Second time in a row. That's the first time that's ever happened. First time we've won the first two games of a Premier League season ever. And it also marked the fifth game in a row now that Palace are unbeaten in Manchester. Mm. And it was also, Kevin, the first time that Wilfred Zaha had captained Crystal Palace from the start of a match. I think he's done a few in pre-season midway through. Was that captaining of Wilf a masterstroke from Roy Hodgson? I don't know. I mean, it's very. It was a talking point beforehand. Um, he certainly responded to it. Uh, no one knows whether it was, uh, you know, a, an attempt to make him stay at the club or whether he just thought he was the senior professional and deserved it. But whatever it was, it worked. You've just swallowed a tea bag, haven't you? <laughs> no, I'm. <laughs> I've got um, ginger, lemon, and honey, and um, some of the gingers just yeah gone down my well, mouth. Well, deserve, but... that, that deserves to happen. And if you're drinking ginger, lemon, and honey, I've got, too. I've got a cold. I'm not just. I'm not a hipster. Uh, uh, you've got yes, a cold. You are. You're both. Well, that's well, street, you said be- that's street you said before about two things being true. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not mutually yeah. exclusive. But I do. I do have a cold. Yeah, it was. Anyway. Um, we talked, didn't we, after the Southampton game about you look at a team having 33% possession and still being the better team. We had 24% possession last week and were, without a doubt, the better team. It was a, a brilliant performance. And I think my favourite part of it was as we were going upfield to score the third goal, Gary Neville, the co-commentator, was saying, well, Palace will have to go 4-5-1 here. They can't. You know, they, they can't stay 4-4-2 when they're 2-1 up with five minutes to go. And there we go. We stayed 4-4-2 and scored. My only my only disappointment, I have to say, was in the in the fuss over the penalty and the retake and the fact that Man United lost. I don't think anybody gave us enough credit for the quality of our two goals because they were two fantastic goals, really, really good goals. The second one in particular, the third one rather, when, as I say, we were still attacking away from home. And our 22-year-old passed to our 19-year-old, who passed to our new captain, who scored brilliantly. I, I, I'm not quite sure where that performance came from. I, I, I think we all thought before the game that maybe we could catch United cold a little bit, as as Andros said mm-hmm. afterwards. But that was a a great performance from start to finish. Really hard to pick out a man of the match, um, and thoroughly deserved. And you can make as many excuses as you want for for Man United. And I'm pleased that both Solskjaer and everybody else admitted that we were the better team by far. Yeah, we absolutely were. And it was, <coughs> I mean, Enders, regardless of the VAR decision, which we'll come on to in a minute, it was yeah. a superb performance by Palace. And actually, I spoke to JD Senior at the weekend, and he said that he was actually incredibly confident that Palace would get something from the game, owing to the fact that United hadn't played a game yet, and <laughs> that he thought that we looked quite good against Southampton. And he actually thought we might get something. And as it proved 
to be on the day. You know, we were a lot better than United in, in most departments. Yeah. Um, and in fact, at Christian Eagle Zero has said, hey, was, oh, hi, Christian, has said, um, was that our best ever Premier League performance? And where does it rank for you, Enders, in, in best Premier League performances? Oh, I don't have a memory anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was a, it was a, an amazing performance, and but it, it it was it's what it was for me. It was a, it was that first ten minutes, which we always talk about about just going for it in the first ten minutes. And you you were playing a team who hadn't played yet and who a bit of always are a bit suspect in defence anyway. And I just think our 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 performance the first sort of ten minutes just set the set the scene for the rest of the game, really. And I just thought it was a very, very competent performance. And, you know, it was one just full of fluidity. And, yes, it was – I'll well, put it this way. It was definitely the best um, Premier League perform, uh, performance this season, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And, I mean, the thing is, Andy, obviously, we, Wilf did lead from the front, and it was – I mean, in many ways, it was a captain's performance. It sort of reminded me a bit of – do you remember when David Beckham was given the captaincy by Peter Taylor, actually, um, back in 2001? Mm. And everyone said, oh, Beckham's not really a captain because he's not a shouter or a ranter on the pitch, but he mm. ended up being a very good captain leading by example. I felt, Andy, it's sort of the same with Wilf because we know he's, he's not particularly a sort of shouter on the pitch at other people, apart from maybe moaning to the ref about <laughs> decisions. But he proved that he can lead by example, and it's exactly what he did at Old Trafford. And in fact, Andrew Dowie has said, spelt differently, has said, um, has Wilf earned a captaincy for good? What do you think after that performance? Um, I think it's very easy to draw very big conclusions from one admittedly uh, highly satisfying win. And I think we also put really big emphasis on captaincy in this country, which has now become a bit of a football hipster cliche hasn't it that captaincy is not actually all that important and it isn't in other nations and I think maybe it isn't actually all that important here either frankly when it comes down to it because teams uh, live or die on the manner in which they're drilled the standard of talent and all that sort of stuff and whether or not the captain is one player or another I think sometimes can be fairly immaterial but equally um, some players sometimes thrive that bit extra by being given an additional level of responsibility or being made to feel important um, and you'd have to say that after he played in the manner that he did at Old Trafford and the team got the result that they did in that match, um, you'd expect him to be running out in the next game with the captain's armband still. I think <clears throat> I think it's the made-to-feel-important bit that's uh, feeling important. Because I think there are probably four players, the two centre-backs and the two central midfielders for a start of who you would expect to be captain before Wolf. And I think it was a statement of intent from uh, from Roy. And as Andy says, in, in other countries, the captain is just a bloke who tosses the coin at the start of the game. But it has a more mythical significance. And I, and I think as well, too much has been made of, you know, some, there are still some pessimistic Palace fans again. Well, Southampton lost 5-2 to Tottenham. But in the first half, Southampton were very, very good. And, you know, yes, it was Man United's first game, but it was Man City's first game last night, and they showed no signs mm. of being yeah. off the pace. I mean, this is a professional football team. It's Man United. It's it's one of the most famous clubs in the world. It's one of the biggest clubs in the world. They would have been fit for that game. And yet, in every area of the pit, I mean, admittedly, when you saw Fosu Mensa playing, you thought, this is going to be interesting. But they just couldn't <laughs> They couldn't deal with the way we played up front. They couldn't deal with our pace out wide. They couldn't deal with the split centre-forward situation. They, and they didn't adapt throughout the game and even when they had a little spell of pressure uh, 
you know, it, just before they scored and just after, we were still the better team and we were good enough and calm enough to go away and score another goal. Yeah, we were excellent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my captaincy analogy. I think it actually reminds me more of when Punchin was made captain. And actually, that's much more applicable for this podcast, really, isn't it, David Beckham? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not when you made yourself captain of this pod. Yeah. When you did the first one on your own, you know. When did I do that? Oh, the very first, the very first one. The well, very first one, yeah. Someone's got to start something, hasn't it? You know, so, um, and here we are. Um, Punch, you know, Punchin was another one of those players I think many people didn't think was in line for captain, but actually it, it brought the best out of him. And I think it brought the best out of Wilf at the weekend. Um, so I think it was... I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I do think <coughs> with Wilf, we've always spoken about Wilf, that, you know, he, he likes to feel wanted. You know, he really likes mm. to feel as though he's the big fish wherever he is you know this is one of the reasons why we have this debate about you know what team you would go to and would he be able to cope moving to another team where he's not not the star player i think just giving him the responsibility and you can't you can't underestimate the fact that he was playing old trafford where it all went terribly wrong for him i know it was a few years ago and he was playing against and the the, the manager you know he, he did play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at cardiff so he had a point to prove there as well i guess yeah. you know and plus you know he's he is a Crystal Palace player through and through, and I'm sure he felt very, very proud wearing that armband walking out to Old Trafford. And um, you know, and, and, and I think it's, I think his general good mood at the moment, his general level of professionalism at the moment, is running through the whole team. And I think he's definitely a part of that, without a doubt. Yeah, hats off to Patrice Everett for trying to explain why it went wrong for him at Old Trafford. Mm. Uh, but it's what was what was, what was his reason? What was his reason? <coughs> oh, did well, you we, not see this? We, we won't had... be repeating well, it on no, this I, podcast. I I watched I watched uh, the game in a pub, but of course you're not allowed commentary in the pub. Oh uh, yes, we yeah, So so which is actually quite nice. I didn't have to listen to Patrice a lot Everett, of Night fans. Yeah, Patrice ever alluded to a, an incorrect rumor. Let's say that. But um, mm, about what Wolf. what was pleasing about Will's performance is that there are so many non-Palace fans who don't always get what we're going on about, and everybody who watched that game would have gone, "Ah, oh, okay, yeah, I understand why they love yeah. him." Yeah, yeah. yeah. From the first minute to the, and he wasn't the only one, by the way. But from the first minute no. to the last minute, he he was he was brilliant. He was positive. He just led, and he he led by example. He was talking to the ref. He was doing all the things you want you wanted the captain to do. And he he you know, took his goal really I mean, brilliantly. Uh, and I'd, what I'd be really interested in is the retaking penalties. I'd, I'd love to know what the conversation was with the retaking penalty. Whether it's Jordan I who saying that my shorts are far too long. I can't take another one. <laughs> or whether I think it was Wolfgang, look, I'm going to take this. That penalty wasn't good enough. I'm going to step up and take it. It'd be really nice to find out what the, what the the why that decision was taken. But somebody on the pitch took the lead and said, I don't think you're going to score that penalty again. I'm going to, I'll take it. And that was, that was brilliant to see. Don't you think it's a very odd, odd just change of tackle a bit, a very odd rule that you can use a different player to take the penalty? Well, I, you, I, I, I just found that was really weird. No, you've all, you you can't do the penalty shootout once you've given the ref the five names. You can't change them. Yeah, uh, the the fact the keeper saving the pen, the penalty being declared null and void by the keeper moving meant that it never happened. Basically, in football laws, right? Okay, right, okay. So it, it was a new, it was a completely new penalty by the laws of the game, which is right. They were able to change the the taker. Yeah, okay, I actually thought Wilf would have been in line to take it anyway. I was a bit surprised that sort of Ayu had stepped up, and it was Andy. A, 
an awful penalty from Jordan Ayew. And we were saved by VAR. Uh, and I know that United, obviously, were very frustrated. But, I mean, it's it's rare for them to probably... They probably never had marginal decisions go against them at Old Trafford before, so before the VARs turned up. And they were, to the letter of the law, the right decisions, both of them, the handball and the um, and the goalie off the line. Although the law both, is an ass. Well, this no, is let's, the ask the lawyer, let's ask the lawyer about the letter. We weren't saved by VAR. He was off, he was off his line. They were correct decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're either on your line or you're not on your line. He wasn't on his line. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a correct decision. And the current handball rule, which I don't like for, for the record, um, effectively now is that if your arm is away from the body in that sort of position yeah. and the ball's crossed in even in close proximity, they're going to be given. And they are being given all over the place. And um, I found it strange that Neville was, uh, Gary Neville, who I thought actually did a pretty good job on play commentary and didn't show off his uh, inherent bias, which you'll undoubtedly have from having played so successfully for United for so long. Um, his uh, consternation at that being given didn't seem to take into account the fact that two pretty qualified referees had had looked at it. You know, John Moss, uh, we don't, may not like John Moss, but he looked at it remotely and then Atkinson had gone across to look at it on the monitor. And those penalties are being given all over the place because that's the current handball rule. I don't like it, but that is the rule. It, it, it just proves, Andy, <coughs> excuse me, it just proves that so many pundits and commentators don't take any notice of the pre-season new guidelines. I mean, most broadcasters should get their people together and say this is what is happening. And, and last year, there was so much fuss over the fact that any handball in a penalty area by a striker or somebody involved in the move meant the goal was disallowed that UEFA brought this in to sort of try and equalise it a little bit uh, so that any handball in the box where the ball the, the, the arm is away from the ball is a penalty. And, that was a that was a stone wall penalty. His arm was in front of this this Gary Neville's nonsense about oh it's his his natural running position. The ball was heading towards the goal, sort of. His arm was outstretched. The ball hit his arm. It it, it was a penalty. I mean, I think people were confused by the fact that Ayu obviously didn't notice and didn't appeal. But that was a, under the new guidelines. And like Andy, I don't agree with them, and I suspect that things will settle down a bit after six or seven weeks of, of two penalties a game. I mean, it's a record number of penalties on, on Saturday, but it was, a, it was a clear penalty, and we've been told by UEFA that VAR will automatically check every penalty save this season. They did that. His feet, you know, one part of, your, of at least one foot has to be on or behind the line, and it clearly wasn't. So, yeah, it's not brilliant, and we will probably suffer from it this, this season, but... Both decisions were absolutely right. I think Graham Souness's point was the most important one, whether or not a referee would have made those decisions in front of 75,000 people at uh, Old Trafford. I don't know. You'd like to think so. And also, hats off to Graham Souness as well for his apology afterwards mm-hmm. to to Palace fans because he said that before the game, all we did, Palace, was play survival football. And he had to admit that that was 90 minutes of anything but survival football. No, fair play to him for doing that, and he was absolutely right because it wasn't. It was. It was way more than that. And again, those decisions don't probably don't get given before VAR, and probably don't get given in a stadium full of seventy-five thousand Man United fans. There's a good. Uh, there's a good article by Sean Ingle in the Guardian this week about VAR, and it basically says that the rate of correct decisions, according to one study that's been conducted into all the decisions given by VAR so far indicates it's improved the accuracy of decisions from about 92 to 98%. And the average time that it's taken to review isn't anywhere near as long as we might think it is, because we always remember the outliers, don't we, where it's taken four minutes and it's been slightly ridiculous. 
we don't remember the number of times where it's taken a matter of seconds. And the average number of views, I think it says in that article, is, is four in a game. And we all seem to, because we have seen games where it's been more than that, and you remember those games. But, you know, if, if it's leading to correct by the letter of the law decisions of that ilk being given at Old Trafford to a smaller team, crowd or no crowd, then I can't see how that's a bad thing for overall fairness and justice in how the game is refereed. Yes, and it's still ruining the game, but that's for a different pod. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's always going to be. It was always one of these things that took time to settle, you know, and, and it still is settling, really. But um, it does sound like they are sort of heading in the right, the right direction. And obviously, we got the right decisions, which is the main thing. And we've got a question here, Enders, from Robin Say. Hi, Robin. And he says, "Does the dodgy penalty plus retake of said penalty make up for two FA Cup defeats and numerous dodgy decisions in May United's favour over the years?" Or are we still allowed? Are we still owed? Sorry. And if so, what would make it up? Uh, does it? Does it make up for no, those? No, of course it doesn't make up for those uh, those games. But um, you know, just to put my two penny worth in, I don't think it was a penalty, and I don't think it should have been retaken. But that's but by the letter of the law, both those decisions were correct. But I think there was just it's it's just another nail in the coffin of football, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you don't think players should no, it is. Match, do you? So no, and I and I think they sh- still should be jumpers for goalposts. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. I don't. I don't like VAR oh, when yeah, VAR is used properly. No, and, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the on-field official is checking. Last year it was a nonsense when the on-field official wasn't allowed to make mm. his own mind up. And I still think eventually it's not the, the right thing. But the, the, the trouble is then, there's the, the new rules, men, and it's nothing to do with VAR, it's the new rules that were being yeah, applied yeah, by yeah, VAR. Yeah, since yeah, the, yeah, I, yeah. I think the handball rules, and Roy Hodgson said himself that he yearned for the old days, the old rules when a referee decided whether the handball was... I mean, the Tottenham one was even worse against Southampton. The, ball, the, the defenders, you know, got his hand in the small of a, uh, an attacker's back. He's not pushing yeah. him; he's just holding him. Yeah. The ball gets played in. It ricochets off the attacker's boot, hits his outstretched arm, and that's a penalty. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. uh, it's it's not right. But at the moment, they're the rules. And sometimes, as well, I think a team deserves a bit of luck like that for 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 being so positive and, and, and going forward. I mean, there's, there's Possibly, times in yeah. the past when we we moan about decisions that don't go against us. We don't get so many penalties last season. We don't mm. get this. That's because we're not in the box to to get them. But, yeah, the, the the beauty of that, the last goal as well, was that we had five players in the attacking, <coughs> third, attacking third yeah. of the pitch, including the left back, and away from home at Old Trafford. So, some you know, you change your mindset and sometimes positive things happen to you. And, I, I don't know what's happened to Palace this season, but there's something seems different around the team. And we've said this in the past in a negative way, but something seems different about Palace at the moment. It seems to be mm. a spring in their step. And considering where we were at the end of last season, it's 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 brilliant. It's amazing. And, and of course, it's like, so there's still Palace fans going, well, we'll see how we do when Burnley come and they've got 10 <laughs> men behind the ball, blah, blah. But in the meantime, we've got six points out of six deserving. Enjoy it while we can. Enjoy it. We'll <laughs> score two goals. Our goal difference is... You know, we're already six points Positive. ahead of the, some of the teams that we want to stay ahead of to stay ten well, wins from safety yeah, exactly. there you go VAR by, VAR by the way Enders would have a nightmare with jumpers for goalposts <laughs> oh. <laughs> that would be very good that would be horrendous um, well just on that point finally we do have a question here Andy from James at Jim's the name um, and he said, just to you know make you? Us, just to make us <laughs> sure it's not me um, maybe I should have grabbed that handle he says um should we have won by a bigger margin? 
Um, and that sounds like a slightly negative question. So I'm going to spin that with Kevin's positivity, which is we did create so many chances. And again, away from home at Old Trafford, not something you'd ever expect Palace really to do. We pr- probably should have converted a few more of them. Will's goal, third goal, as we said, was an excellent spin and turn and a shot from outside the box, which doesn't happen very often. And Andros took his very well. But were you uh, were you impressed, Pal- Andy, I guess, with the amount of chances we did create, considering it was it was away from home at Old Trafford? Yes. Yeah. I was. <laughs> JD, JD, how long have you known him, JD? If you, you ask a question, that. I'm going to give a yes or no answer. No, it, it okay, was, okay, okay, okay. I, 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 Why, I listened Why to the, are you impressed? There you go. That's more like it. I, I, I listened to your post-match podcast with uh, Adam Sells. And um, I felt the same as him in that um, when I missed the first iteration of that penalty, I was actually quite concerned that we'd been quite so dominant, had so many breaks where there'd been sort of half opportunities or three on twos or two on twos or three on threes where a couple of really smart passes could have carved out opportunities or there were half opportunities that hadn't been taken that um, I was um, slightly frustrated at that point. But yeah, on another day, I mean, it could have been five or six, couldn't it? It was um, obviously you want to be taking all of those sorts of opportunities and you want to be converting the sort of attacking uh, or counter-attacking play that Palace were demonstrating slightly better. But equally, the fact that we're now looking like a dangerous team on the break again has to be cause for uh, encouragement, I would say. It's not It's not just on the break either. I mean, it's... It wasn't one of those performances that was backs to the wall that we were defending no. on the 18-yard box. We looked to get forward wherever we could. When we were I pressing we... them high very early on as well, weren't we, with the De Gea mistake? For the second game running, we scored in the first 15 minutes of the game, which we only did <laughs> once in the whole of last season. Yeah. And we've talked a lot on this pod, and, and Enders and I particularly, because we're slightly older than you two, about you know if there is a Palace way, it's getting the ball wide. And yeah. Two of the goals came from from wide place, and you know, starting with 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 Mitchell and Lincoln play, that first goal we scored was it, it's it's not going to be goal of the month or goal of the season, but it was a really good goal. Yeah. So it was a great, and that got missed in the in the highlights because everyone was just wanting to look at the VAR. The second goal again, Mitchell marauding down the left. Yeah, this is a nineteen-year. Yeah, we've been demanding young players for for whatever there reason, and, he's, and Mitchell's looking as good as AWB was looking when he first came through, and he's getting forward. You know, Schlupp's cross for the goal was fantastic. You know, and you see Townsend getting into the box, which you, we didn't see a lot last season, which is why I'm talking about that. There just seems to be a slight change in our mental attitude, which, again, if you just looked at the stats, the possession stats, you wouldn't necessarily pick up on, but it, it's it's like watching a different team to the, the, the team that struggled at the end of last season. I totally agree. And speaking of slight changes, we're going to have a yeah. really quick change now from part one. <laughs> good. He's good. To part yeah, two. That's why so, he's a captain. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I got this armband on. Um, join us after this. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.
back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey, semi-isolation, semi-isolation. <laughs> I don't want to hear about your semis and isolation, Kevin. Um, oh, he's good. It's, Miranda's away then. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, part two, which is athletic part. This is a athletic-supported podcast. The Athletic, of course, a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. Subscription-based website and app, completely ad-free, no ads, no pop-ups. Just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. I believe they've just passed a million subscribers as well. Wow. So uh, they're going... Is that, like, is that worldwide or in the UK? I believe, I don't know. I'm going to assume, well, maybe in the UK. But like Palace Enders, they're going from strength to strength, which is good oh, to see. Excellent. And if excellent. you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, uh, you can get The Athletic for just £1 a month currently. Whoa. And you can cancel at any time uh, so that's at the athletic.co.uk forward slash fyp um <clears throat> this week's article is called explained how hodgson the slayer of old trafford triumphed again <laughs> by matt woosnam and matt has a lengthy here sort of analysis of what palace did right and kevin the bit that caught my eye is when matt is talking about the setup the formation that roy's gone for and he says uh, when batshuay and eze's names were omitted from the starting 11 mm. there was much lamenting their absence but this 4-4-2 with zaha towns and schlapp and ayu demonstrated from the start precisely why that decision was made palace was sharp quick and pushed high up the pitch early on before retreating to what they know best functional gritty defensive work but not the type that sapped the entertainment out of their successes or made defeats demoralized this allowed them to soak up pressure and return invigorated to torment Harry Maguire once again, who weirdly we haven't mentioned yet. But that 4-4-2 formation that we saw against Southampton as well, that narrow 4-4-2, it's good to see Roy going back to that, isn't it? Because it definitely works for the personnel he's got now. And to be honest, when he had did it before, when he first came in, we had some of our best results with it. Yeah, I have to say it's um, it's a really good article by Matt. It's a really good analysis of uh, tactics. Uh, I don't I don't even know if you can call it four four two really because it's not a conventional four four two in any way shape or form is it and it's uh, because for many parts of the game we didn't have any attackers you know any recognised attackers because hmm. you know Wilf Wilf looked when he was playing in the centre forward role like a natural centre forward but so often just drifted and and then Ayu drifted and then. The, yeah, Maguire and Lindelof just didn't know what to do with it. I mean, it was a it's a really good, and I thought what what Matt's point was really interesting about Eze and Bakshuai is that they you know they will feature, but in in different ways against different teams, and it's that, it's it's interesting because Eze looked good when he came on, but. I think Matt was right. I mean, I was I was slightly annoyed. I thought Eze should start because I thought, well, you know, let's put pressure on them. Let's at least have somebody who can get in behind them when they inevitably push up on us. But Roy, it turns out Roy knows more about football than <laughs> I do. And the the system worked really well. And I, I think as well what we have to mention, uh, and I think Matt, he didn't overlook it, but he, he was um, concentrating more on the attacking options. And I thought it was very interesting the match of the day uh, focused on this. It was the two... The two max basically, mm. the playing those two. I don't know whether he's wanted to do that all along, but playing those two together, uh, both of whom were outstanding. And yeah. bear in mind, you're talking about you know Fernandez was the player of the second part of last season. Everyone raved about Fernandez. Pogba had a brilliant second part of last season. They might as well not have been playing. They were, you know, the two max had them in their pocket. Their 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 platform they gave the rest of the team was 
was fantastic and it was it wasn't accidental it was a system that that Roy's that Roy's used in the past as you say it worked to great effect at Southampton I didn't think we'd use the same against Southampton I didn't think we'd use the same system but but it worked brilliantly and it just it just enabled us to spring forward and it, like I said before in the first half it wasn't just soaking up pressure mm. you remember if you remember last year when we you know United equalized against us with a minute to go and then PVA went forward and, and won the game. That happened because we closed down Pogba in the, in the I think it was Luca who did it, and it ball, the ball broke forward, basically. Mm-hmm. It wasn't us looking to get forward and win the game. It's just the ball broke forward and, and PVA was brilliant and positive. I can't stress enough how excited I am by the fact that to, going 2-1 down, our response was, let's score another goal. Yeah, because <laughs> and, and, yeah. when have we seen that with punished before? And, and not only that, but it's like the players had the confidence to go right. Fine, we, this is how we're playing this game. This is what we've done for eighty-five minutes. Let's carry on doing it. We'll get a chance, and we did, and we scored. And it, again, Mitchell was high up the pitch, and that was brilliant to see. So yeah, Matt's. I mean, Matt's analysis. I mean, it, it's worth reading because it's very lengthy and it's very good. But it's it's probably, as I say, slightly underestimates the two central midfielders. We do have a question about them later on, which I'll put in part three, because a lot of people noticed how good they were. But the thing is, Andy, we, we know that Roy doesn't tend to change a winning team, or maybe even a formation, unless he's absolutely pressed to do so. But the way a team does well is it's not just personnel, and it's not just formation. It's a combo of the two. And this feels like the first time in a while that Roy has had the players available, the options, certainly attacking-wise, to be able to play this sort of formation. And it finally feels like, I don't know, things are falling into place for Hodgson. Is that is that fair? Um, well, certainly he, he, he now has more players available to him who are sharper and have uh, an objective in mind, so something to play for, which people forget that after that Bournemouth game last year when we reached 40 points, yeah. there was a prospect of eight games behind closed doors with nothing to play for. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're all professionals and they're also, there are performance levels to aspire to and to reach, which, you know, even though we lost lots of games, you wouldn't say they, they weren't trying, I don't think, but it's very difficult to um, stay sharp and focused and um, hungry in those sort of circumstances. The team now, Roy has more options available to him. They they look like they've had the benefit of having a bit of a break, not a, a long break, but a bit of a break. And I think I mentioned it during the podcast where we had Troy on recently, that Roy had that option a couple of seasons ago of playing that sort of narrow, weird 4-4-2 thing with Andros and, and Wolf as almost the front two. And he played a similar iteration, that sort of, um, at Old Trafford. Certainly not the, the type of slightly more static 4-4-2 with a big man he was using at times last season. And I, I don't think Roy will stick dogmatically to one system or one style of playing because he's actually shifted around quite a few times since he's been Palace manager. But actually now with the increasing array of attacking talent, hopefully there'll be more, um, he's now starting to have the toolkit to start changing things up. And if, if this formation doesn't start working, this system starts being outfoxed by those who start seeing the performance at Old Trafford, he can change it up again and you know do something a bit bit different to hopefully continue showing some attacking impetus. So that can only be an encouraging thing. Indeed. And in fact, Enders, we've had a question here from <laughs> Dominic D8791. Wow. He's and old. He, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And he says, and he says, he says, is the is that the boldest 
He's put Ray has ever been. I assume he means Roy, unless Ray is the positive <laughs> one in the in yeah. in the duo. Is that the boldest that Roy has ever been? Wolf captain attacking subs galore. I'm still in shock. Are you in shock? Or like Andy, have you noticed that maybe Roy does do this when he's got the personnel? I think he's got the personnel. I think it's. I think what I noticed about the the forward play, it was very fluid. The whole thing was very fluid, and it felt that they were chopping and changing, not in the way that say Balassi and Zaha were fluid when they were playing, and they just literally used to swap, mm-hmm. and that used to fox defenses. But there's a fluidity. You don't know where you you don't know where they're going to be. You don't know where on the pitch that A is going to be or Zaha is going to be, and that extends to the midfield, the the, the pair that. Uh, Kevin's talking about, and also to the, the fullbacks, and I think also having that, having those two new signings on the bench, does give everybody in the team that little bit of a lift. And you, mm. you know, and I, I know it sounds very, very simple, very simplistic, but I think you know they, everybody's, those players are playing for their place. Yeah, out there, and it's and it's not like looking at the bench like we as supporters have been looking at the bench the last two or three seasons, going, there's not a lot there, is there? There's not a lot there. There's some guy who's 33, and there's a there's a kid who's maybe you know or whatever. These mm. are these are people. A lot of people wanted in the first team. Right. So I think you've got that. You've got that, which is because. And also, I just think I think I go back to Will because I think Wilf is so important on this. I think Wilf. I think the way that he's approached the beginning of this season, I think it maybe came through preseason because he did get on the score sheet a couple of times in preseason. So he came into the season full of. Um, uh, full of energy and full of um, positiveness and, uh, and putting his potential move to one side. I really don't think, I don't think him playing well is because of that. I think him playing well, it's just, it's just motivating everybody. And I, I love the fluidity of the, the way they were moving in and out of each other. And they were foxing what was supposedly two great defenders. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I thought Harry Maguire was absolutely awful. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I just didn't think they had anything in defense that team. Yeah. There was, I mean, they've they've got a lot of problems, my United. Roy Hodgson's of a, a generation where four four two, it kind of is their default setting, really. But there's a world of difference mm. between a four four two with a big centre forward and a, and a small player, yeah, absolutely yeah. playing off him. And and last season when we, he, you know, four three three was almost his default situation with with three central defenders at uh, mm. central midfielders at times. And they've they've clearly been working over the over the the summer. Definitely, and clearly he's worked out that MacArthur and McCarthy are good enough against a team even like Man United. You, you know, you put MacArthur and McCarthy, you can say all right, fine against Southampton, but to do it against Man United away takes oh, some balls, really against Fernandez yeah. and Pogba. Hmm. But he's, I think he's worked out, or they said to him that we're good enough to do this, and that's that's given the rest of the team a platform because at times it was you know, it was four six nought the foundation and then at times it was four two six it's, it's no it's more than that it's, it's twelve players so I wonder we won. Also I think where, where Matt's article was really good was he picked out I mean nobody was less than an eight I thought on on Saturday. I think Wardy wouldn't have thought that he'd be starting this season. I think he's had two games where he's he's done himself full credit. Uh Kayati at centre back was good, but where I think where Matt was really because Schlup was fantastic, yeah. And, and Matt, Matt in his article talks about Schlup being a proper Roy Hodgson mm. player, you know, because he and he, he talks about the fact that Eze needs to learn to to do the defending and yeah, which Schlup he can do, but the balance is different now because the balance is even away at Old Trafford, the balance was positive rather than. And, and tracking back, you saw Schlupp getting forward more often than he had to track back because he was confident enough in 
in his in his fullback not to have to do that. And I, I thought Slup was really close to Wilf as our as our man of the match. Ayu goes under the radar again because Ayu's movement was was fantastic. The way he drops deep onto the midfield and some because McGuire Mag- Mag- and Lindelof just didn't know what to do. They didn't know who to follow. They didn't know at the times they was just marking space. And it was and this we we sort of embarrassed Man United really. I mean, this is a team. This is a, a proper team who spent hundreds of millions of quid on it. On their players, and it's uh, yeah, we there, there will be downtimes to come, but this is that, that was a performance to, to really, really celebrate. And I'm pleased that I still had the hangover on Monday because that <laughs> there's a really good uh segment, wasn't there? That I'm sure lots of people have already seen on social media and on Monday Night Football, having watched it when it was originally aired by Jamie Carragher looking at the manner in which Palace played. And the really interesting yeah. thing is that I think lots of fans would typically associate Roy Hodgson with the sort of team where. The wide midfielders will basically completely double up with the fullbacks, where they're basically on their toes and taking them out. Yeah. And he was sort of showing with their positioning the manner in which Schlupp and Townsend were ready just to spring forward because the fullbacks were confident enough to say that they would shift across and take any of the wide attacking men that United were going to bomb forward. And really, it then allowed us just to spring so quickly into attack. And that's the sign of a pretty confident team, actually, to be able to play in that way, particularly at a a club like Man United who finished last season in the manner they did. Um, and if Palace can do that against other teams, then I, I think they're going to look equally dangerous. Pundits last year, it's one of the things that pundits really purr about. When you've got one, you've, when you've got the left-sided midfield player crossing a ball for the right-sided midfield player to, to come in and score against, then that's, that's a really, really good sign. Indeed, yeah. yeah, and you're right, and that balance, it feels like the squad is getting more balance to it. Um, and just picking up on your point you said there earlier, Kevin, I'm just going to read this final uh, paragraph from Matt here, which I think sums it up nicely. He said, this season is only a fortnight old, but irrespective of what happens, this is a result that the supporters, the players and everyone involved deserve to bask in, to hold up as a particular highlight and remember when things are not so worthy of such exuberance. I think this is a result what? that we're going to remember. <laughs> For a so long time. Crying. Well, there you go. It's beautiful. It's and beautiful. you can read more emotional oh, articles really? like that <laughs> at The Athletic. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you yeah. can get a subscription currently to The How Athletic much? for just £1 a month. A pound? Which is an absolute bargain. So go to wow. The Athletic. What, what, happens if, what happens if I decide not to carry on? You can, you can cancel, can cancel at any time, time yeah. whenever you like. Wow. Indeed. That's and use, use the pound for a pound. Chips, yeah. Just a pound. A pound. Amazing. You can, you, get can some, you can get some scraps in Halifax. There's <laughs> loads of scraps in Halifax, mate. You can get that deal at theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP. So, the... can, can I just say something, please? This is yeah. really interesting. I watched the game in a pub in um, the Lake District mm-hmm. for the oh, weekend. Lovely. Whereabouts? Uh, I was in Kendall. Oh, beautiful. I was in Kendall. But uh, a couple of hours prior to the football game, I noticed that there was the... Uh, this, I'm telling you this, Kev. There was the opening of Kendall's Christmas store. Really? Yes, on um, Saturday. Wow. On Saturday. And no, no, it, it, it's opened. It was, it was the grand opening on Saturday. And it was opened by uh, a, Saint, a St. Helens rugby league player called Scully or something. And Johnny Vegas. Really? Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it was one of the most bizarre afternoons of my life. So I saw that. I thought, this day cannot get any weirder. I'm singing Christmas carols <laughs> in 24-degree heat with, with Johnny, Johnny Vegas. Vegas. 
<laughs> with Johnny Vegas. And then it can't get any weirder. It got weirder. We beat Man United 3 1 at Old Trafford. Which, uh, anyway, I, I, I apologise for interrupting, but it's a story I had to get it was on the pod. <laughs> which, which, which Johnny Vegas turned up? Good Johnny or bad Johnny? Good Johnny. Good oh, Johnny. Good, he, was, good. he was he was he was loving Christmas. He said, We've all had a bit of a dodgy year, but Christmas is coming and and oh. he and he and he um hugged some elves and uh, and he said hello to Santa. Yeah, it was uh, and the sun was beating down. Uh yeah, That's it was so, it was one of the most bizarre Saturdays in September I've ever so, had in my life. So as we speak, COVID is ripping through the elf community in the league. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, JD. No, no, uh, Johnny, he's one of the nicest people you could ever meet, Johnny. He's a good guy. One uh, six days out of seven. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you got him on a good day, which is great. What I a did, lovely yeah. story. Um, yeah. Listen, that's a great way to wrap up part two. Not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. No, but sorry. I'll take it. Um, and after the break, we've got questions from our listeners. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Friday Plan Podcast. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is. Oh, willing up. Oh, dear. Weird Saturday, weird pod, but at least we're on brand. Um, before we... We're on brandy. Any, not yet. Not yet. Well, do you know what? It's an evening pod, and as you can do what you want. Um, I'm drinking water, mate. Before, Kevin, we answer any questions, uh, the Palace for Life Marathon Walk... Um, it's around the corner. It's crept up on us very quickly. October 10th yes. uh, it's taking place. New route this year, Sellhurst to Sellhurst. Um, and can we now reveal that we are doing the walk? Is, is, is this now the time to reveal that? Uh, yes, why not? Because uh, you forgot to register in time. <laughs> <laughs> so they held, they held it open. for got a plaintive email today from Nixon saying, are you, are you doing it? Cause it really uh, yes, it, it, there is some... Um, uh, doubt as to whether it could go ahead, but it's definitely going ahead uh, in a properly socially distanced way. And uh, as you say, on October the 10th, international break. Um, and in this year of all years, with the, the foundation is particularly in need of, of, of funds. So uh, anybody who wishes to sponsor us, that would be that would be lovely. But yes, FYP can confirm that the, the march is going ahead, and that we are those of us who are available will be doing it. Um, uh, yeah, there will be some sort of uh, restrictions, but Sellers Park is big enough to cope with social distancing. And uh, it may be that there are packed lunches on the way rather than staying stopping at a pub, which is sensible. Um, we can only walk in groups of six, but uh, I think it's brilliant that this year that it's Sellers to Sellers, and it will end up. We'll have to put our own medals around our shoulders, but that's that's fine. We can do that. Um, but yes, it is going ahead. So of course, if you if you want to sponsor us, that would be lovely. And uh, if you want to come along and wave us off, you can't unfortunately because of COVID regulations. But, <laughs> so the sponsorship is more important. Yeah, I, I think there are quite a few FIP uh, listeners and patron and members who are doing it as well. So we'll, yes. look, we'll stick up their sponsorship links on our Twitter. Actually, as well. I have to say in. 
in true Palace style, and I'm sure every club would say this about their own fans, but they're wrong. Uh, in true Palace style, there's quite a few. The, the registration for this uh, year's March was higher than it has been in the last two years because people understand the circumstances and there's been quite a few new marches who have already raised or pledged to raise a, a, a fair amount of money. It will be much needed funds. Uh, and also it will be, I think, for the, the first march we've done where we probably will be top of the table. <laughs> which, will be, which will be nice because well, normally, normally the reason Steve Parrish sets a new record is because he's running ahead of angry Palace fans but uh, although there might be a few people who are worried about their season ticket who are chasing him but, but no it's going ahead <laughs> and we're, we're going to do it so good well um, we will great. put up our sponsorship link at some point when I actually get around to making it um, but if you want to donate right now you can go to palaceforlife.org and there are sponsorship links on there as well so please yeah, do support however you can also, can I say, we, as a pod, we, underst- we understand fully that people are, a lot of people listening to this are struggling financially. There's a lot of people asking you for money, uh, but yeah, the, the foundation is, is a, a worthy cause to give money to. And don't feel in any way that you have to give as much as you have done in the past. Anything you can, you can give is worthwhile. Not that we've ever checked how much we get anyway. But uh, anything anybody can give to us will be more than welcome by us and by the foundation. Absolutely. Basically. Absolutely. Well said. Um, let's move on to our questions. Enders, I got one here from uh, Jamie Penston Raja. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing? He is a patron and a very nice guy. Uh, and good. he's said... He's got a good name. He's got a great name. He said, I brought my girlfriend along to the pub to watch this as her first ever football game. Should I be worried I've set very high expectations? Or (laughs) is she the talisman I need to keep nearby so we can continue to play as well? Well, I don't know if you know. I'm the right person to ask because my wife, Jill, who you all know, uh, when I I took her to her first football game was when uh, Crystal Palace played Blackburn at home. Uh, to get into the, the old first division in wow. the playoffs. Wow. And um, before we got married, uh, Gillian's surname was Eagles. And so we got the whole crowd. I, I, I spoke to the club beforehand. I just, uh, I was going to say I emailed them, but there was no such thing as email back then. I called them and at half time, uh, they mentioned Jill Zane. There's somebody here's her first ever football game. Uh, and so the crowd starts seeing Eagles. She couldn't believe it. And then all of a sudden, we won the game. We all ran on the pitch. She's thinking, this is amazing. We went to the pub. There's about six of us. And I've never seen Jill so excited in her whole life. And then we had to sit down and say, it's not always like this. <laughs> so I think uh, in answer to the question is, um, it's good that she's off to a flyer. <laughs> Put it that way. It's good that she's off to a flyer. It's good that she's off to a flyer. But it's not going to be always like this. But it's good that um, she's on she's on the right track anyway, definitely. Yeah. The other side to that, uh, Enders, is that yeah. one, of Ed's, one of Ed's best mates is... Uh, he's from Manchester, so he's entitled to be a Man U yeah. fan. He, he, yeah, yeah. Season ticket holder. But Ed, Ed said to me on Saturday morning, I've invited... Uh, Greg round to watch what, what why but okay fine yeah. so, um, we, it, we had to be really polite because he's a lovely man and <laughs> we had to go, oh yeah yeah United are a good side but perhaps we possibly deserve to win until we finally packed him off and then could start celebrating the way we really because <laughs> <laughs> we were too nice to dance up and down in front of him going in your face you yeah. so it wasn't like the Man United fan that we had on pre FA Cup final who James Endicott cross-examined ferociously <laughs> 
with more vim and vigor than any QC that I've ever seen. <laughs> when was that? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And then I had a go at JD. The Jednap yeah, pod, then... where you ended it going, I don't care what you yeah. think. And then I had a go Did at I... JD for inviting a Man U fan onto a pod. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, rightly so. Oh, God, that was, yeah. Yeah, boy, that was a long then, time ago, Then drunkenly it? declared your love for Jednak in front of him, I think, possibly. Yeah, can we can we go to the next question, please? Yeah. Memories. Yeah, yeah, because Matty Lawrence was really jealous, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> right. Um, the next question is from Jesse Boyce. Hey, oh, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Uh, uh, how's life in the championship, Jesse? <laughs> every time. Every time. Um, what was that? Do you, do, you remember that, do you remember that picture you had in his room? What was that, Kev? You had that great oh. picture in his room. What was oh, it of? It was like well, a and swan it, well, it, And it wasn't very good. Wasn't it? Was it a giraffe or an elephant or it something? Was a swan. It, was no, a, it was a swan. It's a swan, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a swan. That was a giraffe it. was in the other room and that wasn't a pod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's from oh, the yes. elephant. Silly um, me. Anyway, Jesse's got, an, Jesse's got an astrology question. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. He says, when is the best time to view Hennessy's Comet? Apparently, it's been flying over us <laughs> since last Tuesday. <laughs> we good. actually, Kevin, I've actually completely forgotten that Palace did play two games last week. 21-goal thriller. The 21-goal thriller. <laughs> I mean, one of the worst games ever, but that Hennessy penalty going from hero, potential hero to zero in the split matter of seconds is arguably one of the funniest things that's ever happened at Palace. No, no, him not making himself for an own goal at Aston Villa was the funniest thing. Is it? Do you know what? I genuinely, and I, I hate to say this, when was it? Was it this time last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Around about quarter past 10, I was uh, enjoying a bottle of wine with Ali, and I suddenly went, I'm sure there's something I should be checking tonight. And then I'd, I thought, well, Palace, oh, Palace were playing in the Carabao Cup. And I just checked it, went, ah, lost 11 10 on penalties. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's really, generally, generally <laughs> couldn't give a flying. And, it, and then, obviously, you know, the, the performance on Saturday put it into into perspective. Indeed, indeed. It was a very, very funny moment, though, wasn't he? He was just so close to redeeming himself in the eyes of Palace fans and finally, after years, becoming a hero. <laughs> what, what, scoring the goal? I think the, he would have done. A keeper scoring a you know, winner and penalty, that was always funny, but then he just... Thought he was taking the goal kick and just blazed over the bar. It was just one of the funniest things. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I don't think he would have redeemed. We would have just gone, oh yeah, Hennessy's scored a penalty. Great. I think it would have earned him a few. It would have earned him a few, a few brownie points. I think. With Palace so, fans, yeah, Selzy so. might have been excited, but you know, Selzy would have added, added it to his goalkeeper pub quiz stat questions. But you know, <laughs> right. Listen, let's return because that's all the Bournemouth game deserves. Um, let's return to the May United game. Um, Andy, I've got a question here. Well, two questions here. One from David Fraser. Hi, David. And one, Hi, David. And one from Fraser David. <laughs> and one, if only, uh, one from Ben Hook. Oh. And David Hi, says, if you could only pick one Jimmy Mac, which would it be? Ooh. And Ben Ooh. says, are the two Jimmys now the preferred midfield partnership? Ooh. So, Andy, answer those questions for me. Good question. Good question. Very good question. Uh, James MacArthur, and yes. <laughs> okay. Would you like to? Okay, hang on. Wait, I've learned my lesson. Brilliant. You haven't, have you? Wait. <laughs> Why? Um, James MacArthur, I think, has the longer running and more demonstrable record in midfield. I like James MacArthur. He's, he's showing that he's a, an excellent, spiky midfielder and um, a good workhorse. But you know, James MacArthur has produced great form 
week after week after week for a very, very long time. He was one of our more dependable players last season, even when things went great. Um, but it's a marginal thing because as much as they rightly highlighted on Saturday in their post-match coverage, they, they were both excellent in that game. And I think both would feel moderately agreed were they now to be dropped, even if other players become fit very quickly. You would have thought that given Roy's usual approach of not wishing to change a, a winning team, that the shirts are now theirs to lose. I think it's a really good question, but we talked a couple of times last season about sometimes a centre-back pairing that's best isn't always the two best centre-backs. And I think maybe yeah. that's just the same situation here. That I think it's really interesting that Luca's not, you know, the, the club captain's not starting. And I, I think... At the moment, they must be the, the preferred partnership. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what he does against, you know, against those opponents that do sit really deep against us. But I would, I would have thought, again, looking at the Everton game, which we will do in a, a moment, I would have thought that he will start with those two to get in and around the sort of fancy Dan midfield players that Everton have got at the moment. So it, it's clearly working. So I, as, as Streety says, Roy's not one to change a, a winning formula and as Enders said earlier on we we now have a semblance of a squad that you can that does give us options both in central defence in midfield and going forward I think I think it's really interesting I don't know the state of fitness of other centre-back Kelly's clearly fit because he was on the bench but it's increasingly looking like Kiate is his first choice centre-back and he's going to add other people to it because for the most part Kiate and, and Sacco were, were really good. I know Catty was sort of swinging a miss, which led to their goal. But, uh, yeah, we, we spoke last week talking about we wouldn't have expected Dan and Catty to ever be our centre-back pairing. We would never have expected Sacco and Catty to be our centre-back pairing. But that's, you know, Catty mm. seems to be his, his first choice. Well, again, it, it talks about what Ender says. We wouldn't have thought that Wardy would be starting games. When Ferguson's fit, yeah. He's got a decisions to make. If if we get Klein, then he's got a decision to make. Um, when PGA, decisions, decisions, decisions. Well, no, but good decisions. But when yeah. PGA, no, that's good. When, yeah. P, when PVA's fit, I mean, I would have said before the Southampton game that if Van Arnold was fit, of course you start him. But now, no, there's no chart. There's no way you put him ahead of. But just um, just go back to the original question. The um, and I, I think they should now refer to as the Mac lads. Um, <laughs> Very good for obvious reasons. Um, Very good. Um, there you was might have great, to explain those obvious reasons uh, to people. There, were, well, there was there was a band many many years ago called the Mac lads. But anyway, um, they're still going. There's probably still are going. Yeah, probably they somewhere. But there's a great picture going on social media after the game of uh, the two Mac lads when they're about 13 years old mm. hugging each other after a. a game and I just think for me it's um it's what you always wanted those two players to be there's a real telepathy between them because yeah. they have played together so many times over the years and it was always going to take a little bit of time uh but there's something there and I just think you've got you've got the nouns and guile of uh MacArthur and you've got the absolute ferocious Terry like McCarthy going yeah, in I yeah. mean there was a, there was one tackle he made on Saturday where I thought he was going to take the guy's legs off yeah. but, it was yeah. amazing. I mean, he was just absolutely went right in there. And if he'd have mistimed it, it I mean, it could have been dangerous and he'd, he'd probably been off. But I think that the pair of them, I think it's, it is that thing of 
it's that experience of knowing each other. They know each other, how each other play. You talk to any footballer who spent any length of time with any other one, especially at a young age, and they, and they they know where they are. They know where they are. And I think that's starting to happen with these two. And, it, and, it, and, it, and they proved it on a big stage on Saturday, definitely. But also, Enders, raising the other players. I, I, I still think, for me, the most important moment of the season so far was uh, McCarthy turning on Ward Prowse. Like yeah, 50, you loved yeah. that. You loved that, didn't no, you? No, but I did. But I think it's really important because yeah, Wal Prowse was doing his usual uh, rattery, yeah, and, he, and and McCarthy turned on him, and Wal Prowse backed down, and the rest of the players notice that they see that, and they, hmm. the, the public, the other players, the creative players, know that they're being looked after. They know that <laughs> yeah, McCarthy and McCarthy are old fashioned enough to say probably to somebody like that, if you do that again, you're going to get hurt, which is yeah. not something you'd you'd recommend. No. But the skillful players, the people like Wolf, need to know that if they get you know, if they're getting targeted, there's two players in midfield that are going to say to the people targeting them, don't do that again, or they're going to put their arm around Wilf and say, don't worry, we're, we're with you, or they're going to be talking to the referee. And it's, you know, it's, football hasn't advanced that much that you don't need somebody like that in your team hmm. to do the dirty work, to do the things that most people don't, most fans don't really notice. You know, and that's, I, that's the thing that most fans wouldn't really notice what MacArthur and MacArthur are doing. And it, it takes some analysis by pundits on Saturday night for you to go, actually, yeah, I knew they were good, but I didn't realise that, you know, when they showed all their stuff together, hmm. didn't realise quite how well they were looking for <clears throat> I'm just um, looking up the uh, Mac lads on Wikipedia for the uh, younger members of uh, uh, the, the pod team and younger members who are listening. Um, the Mac lads, they were called the Mac lads because they were from Macclesfield. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Maclads that use irreverence of fouled mouths and politically incorrect <laughs> lyrics. Common lyrical themes were binge drinking, sex and fighting. So maybe we shouldn't call them the Maclads. I think that sounds ideal for James McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, actually, that's absolutely bang on. Sounds like this podcast before I bring some levity to it. Well, listen, look, just the final question. Well, then their motto was, we like us beer and we like us grub. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't tell you the second two words in their motto. But no, no, they were kind of kind of gentler days, Enders, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world was a happier place in those days, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Jumpers <laughs> and goalposts, everything came back then. Right, not that again. Um, well, the thing is, Andy, like uh, Kevin and Enders touched on there. Kiyate playing centre back, Wardy at right back. I don't think many people would have expected, you know, Wardy to still be here playing, Kiyate at centre-back, really probably James McCarthy starting games, but these are squad players who are performing like first-team players. So whether it's competition for places or, you know, Kevin touched on something, something has changed in the squad earlier, but we're bringing the best out of these players. And we've had a question from Colin Squires. He says, do you Hi, think Kiyate is playing our best for us at centre-back? And then Patrick Stevens has said, is Joel Ward the most underrated Palace player ever? Which is a big, ooh, a ooh. big claim. Um, but how good is it, Andy, to see these? Essentially, I'm going to say again, squad players performing week in, week out, and, and holding down these places in, in the first team. Well, I think um, one of the problems with uh, 24 hour instant football coverage, which is saturated just about every facet of our consciousness, is that people draw very, very, very big conclusions about the state of play after two games about the decline of certain players, about the ability of certain players. And there've been lots of people who looked at some of our team last season on the basis of a poor, admittedly poor run of games and said, well, these guys are all bobbins now and they they won't be able to perform at the top level without taking into account that 
ultimately, you know, Joel Ward was bought a, a relatively bargain fee in the Championship, has stepped up admirably to the Premier League and performed for us nearly every season, other than the one in which wan had a more or less uninterrupted run towards his transfer. Um, and continues to look very, very dependable and reliable. Likewise, you know, there were plenty of fans who were uh, chastising and denigrating Andros Townsend and saying that he had nothing left to give. And all of a sudden, he's popped up with one goal and one assist and looks all the more dangerous. So I think it, we have to be careful, uh, although it's easy to be drawn into that sort of trap as fans, not to draw these ridiculously big conclusions all the time and to realise that it can sometimes just be something that happens in one game. And the players who are playing at that level aren't rubbish. Andy, you, know, Andy, you don't become Andy, a Premier League footballer oh, by Captain, being rubbish. Andy, 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 we were discussing this earlier, and I said to you that this season, this season is going to be very, very weird because we're going to win the league without seeing a game live. It's going to be very, very typically palace, obviously. Typical palace. <laughs> but we're going to win the league without seeing it. So, you know, just stop bringing us down. Let us, let us live on cloud nine and just build it from there. Good. Okay. I, I agree. I agree with what Andy says. I understand what Andy's saying. I, I and it, it's in the nature of intangibles, Andy, that you can't define them. But it, it just does seem something like. And I know, of course, we're basing this on two games, and you can pull your funny faces as much as you like. <laughs> no, just in VR. Just in the VR symbol. Your comments. And also, good. Yeah, good use of the word bobbins, by the way, Andy. Which is, yeah, very uh, good. Uh, well, I know, I know that Endicott really likes the yeah, Bobbins. Yeah. So sometimes Frank's, likes yeah, to literally throw in words. If we're talking about, we're like. talking about the, Frank, the, the Mac lads, let's talk about Frank Sidebomb. Yeah, right. uh, and little Frank as well. <laughs> no, don't bring little Frank. <laughs> you there in your big shorts. Don't tell. Evening podcast. Evening podcast. You're quite right. But, but as I say, the, in terms of, I, there just does seem something slightly different in the air about the two Palace performances we've seen, you know, and, you know, there was a lot of stats flying around on Saturday. Wolf is the first ex-Man United player to score two goals against them in a game. You know, the, the, our record against the top six is better than anybody outside the the top six, oddly. Um, it's, there just seems an element of positivity about the, the, the club at the moment, which we haven't seen for a while, and which is slightly unexpected considering how we finished the season uh back in July, which is, a, a, again, an odd thing to say. Uh, so you're saying there might be a period of, of very good performance following a period of very bad performance? No, I'm not saying that. Would I'm you saying say it's a, a, fra- a fra- phrase that describes that sort of phenomenon? No, 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 vendors. I think we will win the, uh, <laughs> the league. Obviously. At the moment, I don't see any reason to doubt the fact that we're going to win the league. You know, I think it's a real shame that Everton Palace on Saturday isn't uh, <laughs> regression. What does that say? And he's yeah, holding a badge up saying regression. Yeah, yeah, XG, buddy, buddy, buddy. Yeah, also, talk, uh, no, while we talk about XG, <laughs> by the way, Tottenham, who beat Southampton 5-2, they both had this exactly the same XG at the end of the game. So that's, again, nonsense. Yeah. Well, that's, no, that's because Tottenham's shots went in and Southampton's no, didn't. No, it's not. You don't. You have got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. All right. Well, anyway, on that note, because we're not JD's getting into control, that, we're not yeah, getting yeah. into the XG thing again. Evening podcast. Evening podcast. We shouldn't do evening podcasts ever. You know that. It's, Why not? Because clearly, no, three of us are in no fit state to do an evening podcast, are we? No, well, look, we're nearly at the end. Okay, I'm fine. It's we're you gonna, three. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant, I thought you meant you three. Um, 
Listen, we need, that's the end of the questions this week. Thank you to everyone who sent the question. After the break, we're going to preview Palace's next game. Oh, it's there's a, more. It's a top of the table clash <laughs> against Everton. Oh, right. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. And uh, Kevin, before we talk about Palace's top of the table uh, clash against Everton at the weekend, um, would you like to promote uh, a book that you've written? Seamless, seamless uh, link. Uh, not really. And I'll tell you podcast. why. Because we, we started this pod by promoting a board game by somebody you met once in a pub. <laughs> and. <laughs> and, a, and a book written by your oldest, dearest friend, almost a father to you. You've left us an afterthought. Andy hasn't written a book. <laughs> left us an afterthought. That's weird. Uh, yes, now my, my, uh, my, my book, uh, Who Are You?, is coming out on the 1st of October. It's available to pre-order on uh, Waterstones, and the other one is named after a very long river. Uh, it's about every club in the Football League. Uh the Palace chapter is not quite as long as I wanted it to be, uh, and I'm still a bit <laughs> cross with Bloomsbury because originally the Brighton chapter was simply a photograph of a seagull nicking a chip out of a skip, uh, and they said that was childish. And then when yes. I when I agreed to write an actual serious chapter about Brighton and spelt Brighton with a small b all the way through, they said that was also childish. Uh, I suspect it's because Brighton's got a large number of independent bookshops, but. Uh, uh, yes, that'll be out <laughs> shortly. Thank you for uh, allowing me to plug that. What's it called again? What's it, what's it it's called? called? It's called Who Are You? 92 Football Clubs and Why You Shouldn't Support Them. Uh, and thank you for allowing me to mention that an hour and five minutes after <laughs> your mate's board game. You're welcome. And I hope uh, both products do very well in a competitive market during semi-lockdown. I hope one does significantly <laughs> better than the other, and I'll leave you to decide which one that is. Um, but, well, yeah. OK, well, let, well, let's just put this, let's just say that you're you're not mentioned in Galazzo, as far as I can see. Galazzo? Whereas, yeah, in the, you're not mentioned in the game, but you are all three of you are mentioned in the book at some stage. Oh, oh, we? Yeah. oh, oh yeah. lovely. Yeah, in the, mainly in the acknowledgements. <laughs> no, <we'll take> <laughs> thanks, thanks to... The FYP, is that it? No, 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 not at all, no. Okay. Well, sort, oh, sort of, it, you're I've, in the right ballpark, but no. I need to, well, I'll have to go and shop and have a look in the index and then go out. If no you in, think we're vain enough to each of us buy a copy of this just to see exactly what you've written about us, then you are completely <laughs> correct and it's going to gain you £40 worth of commissions. It, it, turn, it turns out, Enders, that um, I couldn't afford an index. Oh, really? It, it turns out they are one of the most expensive things about any book. Really? To it. Yeah, and then, and again, it ruined one of my jokes because you would have all been down under W. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, well that would have been worth paying for. 
Brilliant. Anyway, Brilliant. please do go and buy. Yeah, but thank you, for, thank you for that. Thank you for that seamless segue into a plug for my book, JD. <laughs> Evening well. podcast. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Shall we preview Palace's game against Everton at the yeah, weekend? Yeah. Um, first versus second. No, it's not. Is it? It's second versus third. No, it was Leicester, at one stage. Going to be. It's going to be a difficult game, Kevin. Obviously, Everton have started very well, but as have we. Um, and Jack MK ninety five. Hi, Jack. Has said Hi, based Jack. based Jack. on Jordan Ayew's form, would you swap him for Mitchy for Saturday's game? Would you do any swaps for Saturday's game? Uh, I don't. I don't think Jordan Ayew's form has been bad. I think his movement's been been good. I don't think. I, no, I wouldn't. To answer the question, and I don't think Roy will. And I, I think Everton fans will be looking at this as a big test, as much as we're looking at it as a as a big test, to be honest. Hopefully, football will still be going on on Saturday after David Moyes testing positive for mm. uh, COVID uh, this evening. I'm sure it will be. But it's... I mean, Everton... James Rodriguez is one of my favourite players, so I'm really excited that he's in the Premier League. They've spent a lot of money. Uh, but they looked defensively quite frail against West Brom for an hour on Saturday. So I think we can score goals against them. And I think it's... If you remember the start of last season, remember when Selzy got so upset at the start of last season when we drew 0-0 with Everton <laughs> and said it's going to be a really long season for both clubs. And so It was, it was right. It was really long. Was right. Yeah, well, it was. It uh, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's good, is he? He's, yeah, He's really clever, isn't he? Very smart um, guy. And circumstances have changed for... For both teams, and it's um, it's a very different game than it would have been this time last season. But mm-hmm. I I don't think I think the, the you know injuries permitting, I think we'll start with the same same team, the same yeah. system, but with the difference if that we've got Batchui and Eze to to bring on. Agreed, and actually, um, mm. Enders, it, it, it as good as Everton have been. I actually feel fairly confident. Like I'm not feeling overawed by them because, as Kevin says, we've got the confidence and we've got the options now. So it's going to be a tough game. You know, I'm not, not expecting us to win three yeah. 0 but I think we can be as confident as you know as ever going into it. I think beats. You know, I think that's that's the word, JD, is confidence. I think not only is fans to be confident. I think the players and the squad will be confident as well. Uh, as, not just because we beat Manchester United, it was the manner in which we did it. And it was a manner that we pretty much dominated them for, you know, the best part of 90 minutes. And we pretty much, you know, and we and we walked through their defence several times. I just think the, you know, and I've, I, 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 without wanting to sound like a broken record, I say this on most pods, you know, football's all about confidence, you know. And, yeah. and it really is. And there we are with six points. And not just six points through luck, through six points through playing really well, especially at the weekend. Everton will be tough, and you've got one of the world's best managers, Ancelotti, as well, up against uh, the best manager in the world, Roy. <laughs> so you know that'll be an interesting test. So you know it, it'll be, and I, I, like Kev, you know it's a shame uh, we're not going to be there to see James Rodriguez um, at Sellers Park because that, that would have been a, a treat, but. Um, Hopefully he'll have a dull game. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I, but put it this way, I'm confident that we won't lose. Okay, I like that. Um, listen, last question goes to Andy, and I'm trying to work out the best way to ask it so he can't reply with a really facetious one-worded answer. So I'm going to say, what aspect of the game against Everton are you most 
looking forward to getting really good insight here what it's like to work for me um, i am looking forward to seeing whether a sort of new look palace that we seem to see at old trafford uh match up against what's been a pretty exciting start to the season from Everton as well, who also looked pretty attacking and open, or whether or not, as sometimes happens when you get two uh, exciting teams come up against each other, it sort of neutralises each other out and um, ends up being a slightly dour affair. I would hope it would be all attacking and we end up having quite as many heart palpitations as Leeds fans are having at the moment with all their four threes and have a really high scoring game. So that would be that would be my hope. So yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to, to see how Carlo Ancelotti's new look attack, which lots of people are making a lot of um, with uh, Calvert-Lewin, um, Richardson and Hammers look against, you know, our defence and how we match up against that. So I think it should be a really interesting match um, and hopefully we win. Good. Is it, is it on the telly, JD? You know? I have no yeah. idea, mate. No idea. Yeah, all is games it? until uh, 1st of October are on telly. Oh, OK. So they're all live. Good. Not free okay. to wear, but they are. I think we're on BT Sport this Saturday, but we are. Oh, it, it is live, yeah. Okay, good, good, okay, good. Thank you. Um, you're See welcome. You. Right, well, <laughs> thank you very much for uh, joining me for what well, is a very positive podcast. Hopefully, Palace can keep this up because I'm enjoying these positive pods. Um, and that's it. Thanks to our listeners for listening. Uh, enjoy the week. Uh, enjoy the game the post-match pod will be with our patrons straight after the game which you can get at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast and that's it have a wonderful week you're all (laughs) legends (laughs) goodbye bye bye It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.